I'm Nick Abrahams, and welcome to Web3, From Mystery to Main Street, the podcast where we talk about how technologies like crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and the metaverse are being successfully embraced by mainstream businesses. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Today, we are going to unpack the metaverse, and I know there's a lot of talk uh, out there around the metaverse and it's often very difficult to understand what is real and and what is just fiction because uh, I think as someone said that science fiction writers are actually writing uh, the textbook for technology companies to follow and in fact the word, word metaverse comes from uh, famous uh, science fiction book Snow Crash. So we know that uh, the metaverse is uh, at the forefront of a lot of people's thinking, and I'm delighted to welcome on today's show uh, Jason Lovell, who uh, is in Metaverse Strategy at PwC and based in Austin. So, Jason, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm delighted to. I think you've hit the nail on the head there with that uh, <laughs> with that intro. So, yeah, looking forward to uh, yeah discussing uh, the wonderful world of the metaverse. Yeah, fantastic. Now, Jason, I feel like we are immediately thrown into the metaverse because you're based in Texas. That doesn't sound like a Texas accent to me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is correct, Nick. That is correct. I have, uh, yeah, I... I have had the pleasure of moving to Texas from uh, London a couple of a uh, couple of months ago. Now uh, I was based in uh, yeah working for PwC UK in London for the last few years, uh, heading up uh, strategy and uh, biz dev for, around VR, AR, the metaverse. And so yeah, it's been a it's been an adjustment for sure. I am uh, yeah I'm kind of driving alongside trucks that are bigger than my house, which is an interesting <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, it's not I, London I, I really anymore. Enjoyed it. <laughs> no, certainly not. Uh, but I'm, no, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's everyone's been very welcoming. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying the kind of challenge of the market here, and uh, I'm working with my US colleagues. So it's been it's been good. Fantastic. Well, now maybe to jump into it. So as you sort of foreshadowed that you've been in the in the XR space for a long time. Uh, you've had a yeah. number of different roles, your own consultancy, etc. Uh, you know, you're you're a leader in that space. Can you just explain? You know, what is XR, AR, VR? You know, what what are all these terms, and and why do people need to care? Yeah. Well, firstly, Nick, it's very kind of you to call me a leader because I'm not even a leader. I'm not even a leader in my own house. So that's uh, very kind. Very, very kind of you. Yeah. It's very sensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it's a terrific question, and I think this. I think if I had a dollar for every time I was asked this, I would be a very wealthy man because really this, I think this comes to the crux of, of where we are right now with, with this whole kind of metaverse movement, if you like. And as I'm sure you're aware and your listeners are well aware that the, the metaverse term has, has really caught fire, I guess, over the last 12, 18 months. Obviously a lot of it um, because of Facebook's rebranding and some, some associated quite grandiose predictions in terms of the size of the market um, and in terms of this this kind of vision for, for what the future of the internet means. And and I think as, as great as the as this excitement is and, and, and as great as the hyperbole is in terms of getting people aware of the term and, and getting people thinking about the future of our our digital lives, our digital experiences. Um, I do also think that it, what it has led to is a is a very 
is, is a lot of our, is a lot of people, a lot of our clients being really confused as to where they even begin to understand this stuff. Like it's, it has, it has led to confusion in terms of how people are trying to demystify what this really means for them and their organizations. And, and, and even where they begin to explore this, all of these terms that, that are kind of being thrown at them. So I, I do think that as, as great as it is, and I haven't really in, in my career seen a term kind of take off so quickly like the metaverse has. And just as a, as a quick, you know, intro, I, I actually started my career in mobile before smartphones. Uh, right. the, the, the team that the team that I was in launched the first ever Android smartphone in the UK uh, for T-Mobile back in 2007, 2008. And I kind of rode that smartphone wave and I, and I saw how smartphones just changed the world almost overnight. And, and I got into things like smart home and connected audio and IoT and tablets and wearables and then launched the first ever VR headset, the Gear VR at Samsung in the UK in 2015, 2016 and saw the hype around that. So I've always been around excitement around emerging tech. <laughs> it feels um, like there hasn't been a buzzword that you haven't been involved in leading. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe I'm just a buzzword in myself. Maybe that's, maybe that's, what, maybe that's all I have. a shiny uh, new thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just all fluffed. Um, so I guess the point I'm making in an in a elongated way here is that I think the, the term and, and, and for me, the metaverse term has has all of the underpinnings of it, the foundations, all of the themes that are going into the metaverse. A lot of these are not new, right? They've been around for a long time. VR, AR, AI, blockchain, all of this stuff has been around. You know, VR... AR has been around for a long time in terms of very validated use cases in terms of um, in terms of training and collaboration and recruitment and onboarding and all of this good stuff. You know, AR has been used for a long time for, for a multiple of use cases. Virtual worlds, you know, a, a year ago, they were just called games, right? These virtual world <laughs> yeah. platforms. We've been, we've been using virtual worlds of some sort to collaborate since the 70s, really. I think what, what's really happened is that a lot of these these technologies like the stack if you like yeah. a lot of these have just come together at such a time that they're synergizing at such a time that this kind of um grandiose vision this utopian vision of what a future internet looks like doesn't seem so fanciful because we have great connectivity we have spatial computing with being big advancements in hardware we have creator economy we have you know great kind of uh, experience platforms low code tools 3d development tools all of these have come together at the right time, such that it has really got people thinking about the, the future. But again, I think the challenge is that inside of that, you have terms like XR, Web3, all of these things get wrapped up. And so a lot of clients come to us and say, look, please like, help us understand where to begin with this stuff. Like, how do we, how do we work out what 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 is the metaverse? What is XR? What is you know what are game engines? And and for me, at its at its kind of broadest sense, the metaverse is just the synergizing. It's the it's it's the it's the um, what's the best way of, of describing this? It's the kind of joining of of the physical and the virtual. Right? It is it is um, it is looking at the kind of experience layer in terms of uh, our digital experiences and what we do the experiences that we have inside of uh, these virtual worlds and it is the transactional layer in terms of like kind of the all of the the plumbing the underpinnings of all of this and for me that really takes the form of the kind of interior uh, internal experiences of the metaverse that have been around for a long time in terms of 
you know, uh, more B2B stuff around training and collaboration and, and the stuff I've yeah. talked about. But then, of course, you have the the more externally facing kind of customer transformation, customer engagement tools that I think people are becoming very excited about. And, of course, they take the form of many, I guess, what we would call closed or private environments such as Roblox or Fortnite or Minecraft or some of the, the closed um, kind of internal metaverse tools and then, of course, this big excitement around the future of these open, decentralized worlds that are obviously offering a lot of promise in terms of sandbox and decentraland. But, but I do think that, that Matthew Ball hit the car now on the head here when he's, when he's asked to define what the metaverse is. He says, well, if, if people are asked to define the internet, the definition of the internet is TCP IP. It's internet <laughs> protocols. Right, right. It actually, it, actually, it actually makes more sense to describe it in terms of describing what these experiences will look like. And I think a lot of that really comes down to defining or describing, sorry, what these, what all of these things will mean to our lives. And I think one thing I try to do with, with, with all of our clients is try to help them get into that kind of more descriptive mindset of actually trying to yeah. describe what we're trying to achieve with all of these tools. Like what is the ultimate purpose of all of this? Rather than being so narrowly defined to a, de to a definition, because as I'm sure you're aware, there is a lot of conjecture around what is a metaverse, what isn't. Like some people are very steadfastly stuck to uh, the metaverse being this big, open, interconnected yeah. space yeah. where we, you know, where we are, we will spend eight, nine hours a day. Other people are kind of saying, "Well, the metaverse is just VR." Other people are saying, "Well, there's no metaverse; it's all AR." You, you get my point. And I think all of this doesn't really serve any purpose other than to confuse people. I think it makes much more sense to try and describe what the future of these experiences look like and what that means. And, where, and that might encompass things like digital assets and NFTs and the blockchain. It might not. It will depend on what these experiences look like and the ultimate value of these uh, yeah, to people's lives. It's, uh, it's, it's fantastic. And I, it's, it is interesting, the, you know, the sort of arguments, particularly on Twitter, I find, um, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. everyone gets incredibly carried away. You've got the zealots yeah. who, who see the metaverse as, as you say, this sort of, you know, a, ethereal next level internet concept yeah. and who, who won't broke any discussion that even gaming platforms like Roblox and Fortnite are, are you know, on yeah. for metaverse style experience. You did say something fantastic uh, as well earlier on where you said, you know, your digital life. And maybe that's a way of thinking about it as well, which yeah. You know, we yeah. have we have our our you know our re real life, if you like, and then our digital life. So so lots of lots of interesting thoughts here. I guess maybe just dropping into because I know you've worked in XR for 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 a while now, and you had yeah. your thoughts yeah. to captivate XR. You know, so helping yeah. business, businesses harness the benefits of XR, and it seems like XR has some very sort of good use cases where it's already deployed. I just wonder if we could talk yeah. you now a bit about where you see. XR and 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 also I guess the basis of XR. So are we talking, you know, are we talking headsets? Are we talking, um, you know, uh, eyewear, augmented reality, and something? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, great question, Nick. So, so for me, I yeah, I obviously I, I started my journey into this with VR. I tried the first. I remember vividly being given the first ever Gear VR. All right. Uh, and I I docked my note in it, and I was <laughs> I was put in. In this world, actually, I think the first thing I was shown was a roller coaster, which was made me violently ill. They, but, they always love the roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly, the first exactly. thing a VR headset yeah. maker looks at for content. Exactly. And I think um, going back to my earlier point around being 
in all sorts of emerging tech. I'd seen many pieces of technology come along that were kind of like a hammer in search of a nail yeah. <laughs> where people were trying to find the use case for the tech. And I, the first thing I saw with VR when I tried it was, to me, it had that kind of Nintendo Wii effect of like lowering, like being more than just a new technology, being a new way of relating to tech. Yeah. And, I, and I instantly started thinking about the fact that this, this immersion, this spatial presence, this embodiment allowed you to do a lot more. It just it allowed you to create experiences that were very, that were genuinely unique to the medium. And I think that that's really what stimulated a lot of the passion. If you look inside of the XR community, the metaverse community, you'll find a, a ton of people that have been in this world for a long time that are just massively passionate about the use cases that are unique to VR and AR. Yeah. And of course on the, on the, on, and I think and of course on the VR side, there has been examples, there's loads of studies, there's academia from Stanford and UCL and whatever from for many, many years research that we've done around soft skills training and job simulation training that is that there are lots of very very good examples of use cases around vr where it is it is just genuinely unique to that medium good examples being uh, work around for example um uh, what con content that we've created around diversity and inclusion training for example so utilizing the power of vr to change people's perspectives to alter behaviors unconscious bias um you know, microaggressions, things like that. We, we actually, a lot of the whole of the UK firm is being trained on a piece of content that we created called In My Shoes, which is all designed to put you in the shoes of an ethnic minority individual in the workplace and allow you to build empathy and emotion around what, what that encompasses. Um, and of course, this has been expanded to domestic abuse, to, to, to just a ton of different things. And then, of course, then you have uh, lots of organisations expanding this and using it for all sorts of soft skills training, allow, allowing you to practice difficult conversations, you know, um, allowing you to, to be there with a virtual human and actually have those interactions with an intelligent virtual being and then switch perspectives and see how your behavior influences those people, affects those people, and actually allowing you to see the consequences of those, of those conversations. And there are many companies now that are out there that are building a suite of modules around this, and also building low-code tools that allow anyone to uh, rapidly build and edit and deploy these modules. So the barrier to entry has never been lower. And then, of course, you have examples of job simulation training where in VR you can build very rich, immersive environments and allow people to practice scenarios that are very dangerous or sometimes impossible to recreate in the real world or sometimes very costly to do in the real world. Inside of VR, of course, you can create these virtual scenarios and you can allow people to practice and build these muscle, build this muscle memory over and over and over in a very safe, controlled environment. But of course, one that feels intuitive. It feels like you're giving the user a, a, a tangible sense of purpose and of, of, uh, of presence. Um, and this has been defined over many years. There's a multitude of organizations that are doing, doing this now. Uh, what's also interesting is that over the last couple of years, of course, exacerbated by COVID, people are now seeing VR as a way of um, enhancing collaboration. And so, you know, uh, we've been shipping headsets over the world for years now, bringing people into these rich virtual environments and allowing you and I, for example, we could be in a virtual environment. It could be a anywhere, ski chalet, a beach, an office environment, whatever you want. But we can be there as detailed avatars, have full spatial sound. And of course, by, the, by virtue of the fact that you have freedom to move around and use your hands and, you know, pick things up, put things down, um, 
these virtual environments can be populated by images, whiteboards, videos, 3D models, browser windows, screen shares, whatever you want. And of course, these become a very, very powerful way of allowing you to feel more spatially present with those around you and more intimate with those around you. So that's become a really, really cool use case. And then, of course, on the AR side, many examples of it being used for things like um, rich, immersive digital twins. Again, job simulation training in terms of recognizing objects and giving you kind of step-by-step walkthroughs. And things like remote assistance, where you can see a, a remote expert can dial in from wherever they are. They can see what you're seeing, annotate the world around you, give you that guided feedback. And that's there's so many examples of, of that being a very, very valid um, use case that has demonstrable ROI. And I think for a lot of the work that we're doing, and, and, and not just us across the industry, it, it does really come down to that. You know, it, a lot of these projects in the past, as I'm sure you're well aware, Nick, people have, have, have utilized them and we're starting to see this in the, in the metaverse as a kind of flag in the ground. We're innovative. Look how yeah, cool we yeah, are using absolutely. VR. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if, if there isn't a clear, cohesive ROI focused strategy behind it, all that ends up happening is you get a, a ton of headsets uh, in a cupboard somewhere and right. no one can use them because no one's, no one's thought about yeah. how you're going to measure the effectiveness. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. How are you going to build the business case? What you want people to actually do and achieve or feel or whatever when they put that headset down. And so the CFO then says, you know, six months, a year later, what did we get for our investment? And then you've got no answer. So I think this is one thing we're starting to see now in the, in the kind of uh, the metaverse world. We get clients coming to us saying, look, and just to rewind slightly, yeah. you know, my, my, my view of the, of the metaverse is that, of course, XR will be a, a key access mechanism. There will always yeah. be use cases where you want to be in the metaverse in VR or AR. Right. But my right. view is that that, that that will be dictated by the quality of experience that you have within that. Right. For example, you might want to dive into VR to have a nice meeting or you might want to view a sports event in, in, a, in a virtual stadium or you might want to, whatever, do some, some stuff where it makes sense. But I do think that obviously virtual world-based environments through desktop, through uh, through mobile, will always have a very, very key uh, role to play because you have accessibility, you have scope of, uh, of access that you don't have in, in, in VR right now. Of course, you do have an AR, but it's primarily mobile-based. Um, so I think what, what, happens, what happens a lot of the time is that clients come to us and say, look, okay, if we are building use cases, how do we how do we begin to think about how we how we show the value across these like what when do we use vr and ar when yep. do we use a mobile base when do we use a desktop based virtual world can we build a virtual world that spans all of these do we want to be in in platforms like roblox that have 59 million active users what is the difference between being in that world versus being in decentraland or the sandbox that okay don't have as big user bases but they have um, more flexibility in terms of the economic models, the governance, the communities that are in them, and of course, digital assets. So, again, I, I think all of these have a, have a massive amount of potential, and there are value, there is value that you can extract. But again, without that kind of initial thought of what you what problems are you actually trying to solve, mm. that, that, that these these I think some of these implementations will always be short sighted because. It, it, it rapidly becomes a situation where just having a presence in in these worlds or having a uh, having a you know VR training application 
isn't enough if you haven't really thought about how you're going to build, iterate, scale, and actually measure the effectiveness of these things. Yeah, yeah. And with, um, I get a sense of your enthusiasm for the topic. That's, um, <laughs> no, it, is, it is fascinating. The, um, maybe to sort of trying to get a little bit more granular, it's very interesting, particularly that idea of, you know, PwC using uh, you know, virtual reality, it sounds like, for diversity and inclusion training. And that's, you know, that sort of makes yeah. all the sense in the world. Can you talk, I guess, about some specific use cases of, you know, of companies in particular industries and, and you know, how they might be, particularly more in the metaverse space, I guess. Is there, yeah. is there anything that you see? Because we see, you know, you, you see all these things, you know, Burberry joined up with, um, you know, Minecraft to become <laughs> yeah. a Burberry yeah. experience in Minecraft. And I've, would have thought that's a very yeah. unusual demo for them, but but are, have you got any thoughts around some specific um, use cases? Who, who's actually doing it well right at the moment? Do you think? Or? I mean, I think if you look at if you look at the the space now, that I'm I'm really fascinated by some of the activations that brands are, are, are doing inside of platforms like Roblox and Fortnite and Minecraft, and I know there's conjecture around where they are actually metaverse platforms or whatever. As far as I'm concerned. Our clients, they want to understand customer engagement strategies. Right. They want to know where the customer is. And right now, you know, you're talking about platforms that have millions and millions and millions of daily active users. Yeah. People are spending lots of money. I think I read that in Fortnite, the average user spends about $100 on, on digital assets inside of Fortnite. Wow. Um, so, 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 <laughs> They've got hundreds so we are, of millions of users. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so we are, you know, we are being asked where, where, by our clients, where are the, where are the consumers? Where are, who yeah. are they, and where are they? Right. So, as far as I'm concerned, I am fascinated by how brands are saying, Do you know what, we are going to, we are going to represent our brand and our IP in a spatial sense inside of these platforms, be yeah. it Roblox, Minecraft, whatever. And some of these ones, you know, you've seen things from, from, from Nike. Uh, you've probably heard of recent activations by Walmart. And mm. there's just been a, a, t a myriad of different uh, experiences where they have stood up these very, uh, very engaging, immersive um, virtual worlds inside of these platforms. You can go inside of them. You can, you know, you're, you're basically told a story. It's really storytelling. It's, yeah. You yeah. go inside yeah. these worlds. You know, you, in, in, the, in the example of Nike, uh, Nike Land, you can go inside of there. And my boys, I've got, I've got twin boys that are nine. Right. They all go in. They all go inside of there, and they will go and they will play dodgeball or whatever right, it is. They'll right. play all of these, all of these games with their friends. And yep. of course, in doing so, they then want to buy Nike shoes. They want to buy yeah. uh, tops. They want to buy a Nike cap, and they're spending real money on buying these assets. And of course, these assets have no value outside of the platform in right. question yeah but they are seeing so much social value in owning these items a, a great example i'm sure you've heard of is the uh, the gucci handbag example inside of roblox where the gucci handbag actually sold for more money yeah. in a virtual <laughs> yeah. sense than yeah. the real one right and if that doesn't tell people how important these virtual worlds are then i think anything will because you know, again, this this kind of goes to the uh, to the conversation that, I'm, that I know a lot of people are having right now about about Web three and the future of what ownership of assets looks like in the internet, in terms of in terms of people owning rather than just renting, really, inside of these closed platforms, these these walled gardens. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter for, right now for for a lot of our our clients and a lot of brands that are looking inside of this space. 
they are logically saying, how do we get the biggest bang for our buck in terms of eyeballs and in terms of getting people to understand our message in a new way and engaging in the next generation of consumers, Gen Z, you know, Gen Alpha, for example. Mm. Um, I'm fascinated by how people actually allowing, uh, building communities around their brands inside of these spaces and actually using new dynamics of representing their IP. You know, you've seen with, uh, with Nike and Artifact Studios, actually allowing people to design their own sneakers and actually build their yeah. own, really, yeah, really man, manipulate Nike's IP, uh-huh. but in a controlled way. Because ultimately, a lot of these worlds, they're all user-generated anyway. They're all community-driven. So yeah. whether, you like, whether you like it or not, your brand is going to be manipulated in these spaces. Yeah. Um, and I'm equally fascinated by... Uh, by what brands are doing in terms of buying land or at least indicating a a desire to inside of some of these more open, decentralized worlds, because we know these have smaller user numbers right now and they are kind of more embryonic in terms of their UI and their UX and they're obviously community governed, but they are, we are, we are working on some, some stuff with clients now, which is, all about how you actually use the ability, use that kind of decentralized nature to not only create very, very uh, engaging virtual environments, but then actually create digital assets that give the customer some utility, some genuine utility, not just just in those virtual worlds themselves, but in the real world. Assets they can have in their wallets that allow them to do something different with that brand. And I think there is an incredible opportunity uh, for brands to build worlds that uh, that give that that tell their story in a, in, a, in a new way and make their brand relevant to consumers' lives in new ways, but actually utilize the ability to to build these these on chain assets. Actually, not not even always on chain. You can you can do it in the in the other worlds as well. But the point being that my view is that that there there needs to be some real thought and strategy. I think more than ever before now around what you actually want people to do with these assets. NFTs, for example, yeah. and, and how you how you blend the, the physical and the virtual, because that I think is that that is where the real opportunity lies. So you mentioned there the wallet, and this is this is a fascinating area for me because you know if I look at you know there's at least three hundred or more brands who've minted NFTs and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this idea of the wallet. So right at the moment, you know, I I can't really see what's in your NFT wallet because there's no easy way to get access to it. I mean, it's on the public blockchain. You know, you can't see mine because it's just, you know, it's not simple to get to it. And then Meta had the announcement that you'll be able to link to your NFT wallet, um, to your MetaMask wallet from, you know, Meta or, you know, from Facebook or um, Instagram and so forth. We're starting to see other, um, you know, other platforms making similar things. So do you see, you know, what's the future of the NFT wallet? Because right at the moment, it's sort of sitting there and it's got lots of stuff in it. Um, some yeah. of it you bought, some of it gets airdropped in there. Is is that a big marketing opportunity? Because as, as the NFT wallet, does it become as curated as, say, your Instagram feed? What's in your NFT wallet says something about you, and you and you want to make sure you're showing the the right the right face to the world. I mean, yeah, it can do. I mean, we know these things are a providence machine, right? I mean, it's, they're, they're public that you can, if you know someone's wallet ID, you can see what NFTs they own, which, sure. which obviously will have it, will have it has its own considerations in, in terms of privacy, et cetera, moving forward. M- my view is that there is 
obviously with, with anything like this, there, there, there are examples, there are good examples and there are bad examples of NFTs and what they're being used for. My, my view is that as a, as a digital representation of ownership of an asset, yeah. There is an incredible opportunity to to allow people to have have a have a wallet, have an NFT wallet that contains tokens, but but tokens that become more than just. And I, and I fully realise that a lot of the, the 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 activations at the moment are more than just profile pictures. Like they yeah. they they give you access to a community, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But my view is that the challenge with NFTs at the moment is that a lot of brands will mint NFTs. And, and they'll do it for the publicity, and, and they'll, I'm sure they'll, they'll glean some money out of it in the, in the first instance. But of course, if someone is has an NFT wallet, and you have they have bought an NFT from your brand, if you haven't got a strategy behind what you want that to do on an elongated basis, all that then ends up happening is that every time that consumer opens their wallet, they have. Uh, a constant reminder of how useless, of how you, really, of how you, you didn't are. deliver on, yeah, on your promise. Because, yeah, yeah, because it's basically there in perpetuity, right? Right. So what, 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 what we are and what our, our Web three digital asset team are, are trying to say to our clients is that with us, if you really think about the 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 the, the longevity of this, the the the, the the value you can derive from integration of these things, like giving, again, going back to the, the point around, you can, if you allow someone to have these tokens and they are integrated into a, into an open metaverse platform, these tokens can give you unique access into certain experiences. Think of them as like a, a key, a token, an access mechanism where you can actually allow someone to have longer term value from these NFTs, from these, from these assets, because you can actually allow them to have unique experiences or more tailored personalized experiences based on what you've got. Or you can allow someone to, by virtue of interacting with your brand in a new way inside of these experiences to actually have NFT, give, be given NFTs, be given assets, or maybe even level up assets that they already have. Yeah. Um, and, and I think once, once you get your head around that and you start thinking about how the power of that like the underlying power of that and, and how you build a, a, a blueprint for adoption that allows you to test the waters you know experiment with what's possible and then have assets that grow with these platforms and mature with these platforms and maybe even start in the in the kind of you know closed world the wall garden world and experiment and test there as well we're not we're not saying it's a one-size-fits-all thing um that, but 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 I, I also get that for a lot of brands that is a scary thing because it is again, it is a completely new way of representing your IP and your brand and telling stories, and of course there is a whole back end of what we call trust around governance and accountancy and taxation and legal aspects that need to go into how you actually even manage crypto, how you even manage yeah. the, the 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 audit trail around yeah. these things. But I genuinely believe that the, the, the people to get this right are going to be the ones that are going to extract huge value from the metaverse moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, what you've, what you've laid out there is, uh, for any sort of entrepreneurs listening, a huge opportunity in terms of, you know, what I'm talking to clients about is, you know, you don't have to be the, you know, the company that opens the land in the metaverse, but yeah. you're the company that is in the vendor community that's helping those companies because there's a lot of data that's coming out. That's, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's not going into anyone's CRM system effectively right at the moment. Loads of, of terrific opportunities in the infrastructure players behind all of this. 
Uh, yeah, and, and of course, just to sorry, Nick, just to finish yeah, that point, the, 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 the other point that I, that I say to, to my clients is like, whether or not you believe in this big grand vision of the metaverse being this huge interconnected interoperable space where we can freely move between and share our assets and our entitlements and of course the vision of that is is, is blockchain, blockchain or distributed ledger underpinned whether or not you believe in that or not or whether you believe we'll get to a kind of web 2.5 world where there'll be elements of decentralization and there'll be you know we'll jump from kind of server to server network to network like we do with the internet now fundamentally the, the underlying trends that are powering all of this that we've covered they're not going away so whether or not you believe the yep. metaverse is a fad is a fad or not uh, these un, these trends that are under that are underpinning it they are not going anywhere so you need to start thinking about at the very least building your muscle memory for the future audience because as i keep saying the the my internet i'm 38 my internet is not my kids internet yeah it's a completely yep. different world um, and their and their expectation of digital experiences is different to mine yeah. So, I mean, it leads into a great conversation just about just about demographics. And, you know, if we look at, we've talked about, you know, obviously sort of Roblox and Fortnite and some of the activations. So, so you know, we've got Apollo, Ralph Lauren just announces a bigger activation in Fortnite. You've got Elton John has just gone into Roblox. And and then you've got, um, uh, you know, uh, Burberry in Minecraft. So, so lots of you know, that, that sort of jars with my understanding of who the audiences are for those particular platforms. Do you have a sense of, of you know, what those audience, what the demographic nature of those, have I got it wrong? Is, is Minecraft actually, you know, are there older people playing Minecraft or is it sort of the under 12s? Do, do you have a sense of those? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and actually, we we recently launched um, a metaverse, um, a, a, stud, a study based on a survey. We actually surveyed, I can't remember the exact number now. Um, we did put out a survey and we actually uh, gathered the data around this. There was, I, I can share the link with you, but there's a ton of different uh, questions in there. And one of them, we tried to, to kind of capture the demographic in that. And actually, what we found is that I think it was something like 68% of consumers across the US and the UK who are were interested in in engaging with the metaverse. So kind of meta adopters, wow. those that have been actively engaged yeah. and those that are not, not yet engaged but want to be, we found that actually that there were mostly Gen Z, so 18 to 25 and millennials, 25 to 40. And they were interestingly, those slightly more affluent uh, consumers as well. So above sort of 65K household income. So I don't, I don't think that's, that's an exhaustive study, but I think it's probably indicative of some of the other research that's coming out and reports from a lot of these brands around their audiences. I think recently Roblox came out with a study, which was the 59 million number. But I think they said, actually, they're, they're seeing big growth in, in, in now above 24. So, right. so I think I think there is there is a populace. I think that will depend on the on the platform in question, of course. But I, I, and I think obviously there is clearly an opportunity Gen Z and Gen Alpha uh, style customers, iPad generation, as I said. But I think I don't think it's exclusive to that. I think there you're actually seeing now broader adoption as more and more brands are entering these spaces, and also also the quality of the experiences and the quality of the hardware improves. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, uh, you know, just, just mentioning sort of, you know, particularly Gen Z and the millennials. So, so effectively, you know, that's folks up to, you know, from 18 or thereabouts to 40. So an important yeah. consumer demographic. And there was a, a fascinating survey that came out from uh, Coefficient Capital recently where they'd done, they'd done some, it was a legitimate survey where 
And they asked a couple of fascinating questions. And one was, do you feel more yourself online or offline? Yeah. And yep. 45% of, of Gen Z and millennials, so under 40s, said they felt more themselves online and offline. And I think, I mean, you're obviously within that cohort, so that's probably a little more understandable. But when I talk to clients and so forth about that number, people are blown away that it, because there's a visceral proposition, which is how could you possibly feel more yourself online than offline? But the reality is for that cohort, they have lived with screens, they've lived with immersive experiences, yeah. social media and gaming. So it's, it's yeah. a very different style of consumer and one which, you know, I suspect we're not wholly prepared for. Would that be sort yeah. of a correct assumption? I, I, I couldn't agree more, Nick. And I, Again, I think it, it takes people a, a while to, to understand that a lot of this is, is, is about expression. It's, again, this, this is yeah. part of the, this kind of growth of these platforms is, is, is the community inside of yeah. them. It's, it's, not just, it's not just about when, when my kids, or even just my kids, like my friends and sometimes myself, when you go inside of these, these spaces, right, a lot of it is not even so much just about the, the experiences, the games, the, the gamification. It's a lot of it is about the community, particularly in some of these more advanced platforms where you're actually, it's so easy to allow people to create and disseminate their creations, right? Mm -hmm. And to monetize and to, to, to build, to construct and to share their message, right? And, and that's the exciting thing about a lot of these, uh, but the brands that are doing this right, I think, are really tapping into that expression, that community-driven aspect of allowing, actually being brave about allowing people to manipulate their brand in a way that makes sense to their lives, building that relevance. And, you know, my, my again, going back to, to my kids, like they, they will come back and they, I can see they're building emotional connections with brands based on the stories they're being told in these worlds. And sometimes not even about the brands, about the creators. If, if, you know, if a particular creator has, has, has built yeah. an experience inside of one of these worlds, yeah. they know that creator, they feel warm and fuzzy towards that creator. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so it, it's completely changing the face of advertising, marketing, social influencing, commerce, all of this is changing. And okay, it's not going to happen overnight. We're not, we're not pretending it is, but, but it, it's going to become much like, um, much like kind of social commerce is now, like how yeah. easy it is for, for people to buy without buying, they're buying. They're buying based on stories. You know, I don't even think that consumers now necessarily uh, differentiate between channels. They they see they see channels as being connected, right? Yeah. And so I, I see the metaverse as being an extension of that, and it just it will all blur. Uh, particularly those that are clever about this this link between physical and digital. I think we, we are entering an age now where where brands need to be very clever about. The, the stories they tell them well when where they tell them and of course how they try and bring all this together and make it more cohesive rather than being sporadic and bitty yeah it's fantastic now Jason, i'm entirely conscious that we should let you get back to your day job because let's face it you've got two nine-year-old boys who are spending a fortune on digital assets and, uh, and we need we need to be able to uh, to fund uh, fund that, but it's been been a fascinating insight there. I guess maybe just to leave, um, you know, with some thoughts. I mean, I know you've got you know clients coming in all the time asking about the metaverse and so forth. Do you have some sort of some some hints? I guess for organisations who are sort of thinking about dipping their toe in and and just sort of wondering what to do. Discover, like learn, test. Like honestly, I, I I can't stress this enough. Like there is a lot of 
there is a lot of debate out there. There's a lot of noise out there. Quite honestly, anyone who says they're a metaverse expert is a liar because there is no expert in this space right, right. now. We're all learning. Yeah. We're all, this is, this is moving so quickly. Like I, I really, really stress that organizations need to get impartial, holistic advice in this space. Like test, build. We, we, you know, we, we're not saying, we never say to our clients, jump in head first straight away. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we give them guidance around where to experiment, what hardware to try, what software to try, what pl- platforms to experiment with, you know, experiment with, with, with minting an NFT, experimenting with um, exploring marketplaces, like go in, like try and break things really. Because um, I, I, I feel that the, the, the ones that do that and the ones that really start building this muscle memory will really get a, a very quick understanding of the low hanging fruit now and the value that can be extracted now. And again, some of that can be on the internal B2B side. And then they'll get a very clear idea of how they can really start telling their brand story to consumers, uh, both with, with platforms that exist now and platforms that are going to come along in the future. And of course, they get an understanding of the hardware and, and, and the kind of, uh, you know, the household penetration of this stuff and, and where it's going to go, particularly just as a final, and a final point here, particularly in terms of the future of, of AR, because I think... You know, I think the, the future of AR, particularly in terms of a head mount, head mounted sense, I think, and this could be a whole separate podcast in itself. Um, I think that is probably one of the most exciting areas of, of, of the whole of tech in the next sort of five to 10 years. Fantastic. Well, uh, Jason, thank you very much. Um, so Jason, uh, Metaverse Strategies at PwC, uh, thank you very much for taking the time. It's been, been fascinating and uh, really appreciate your insights. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Web3 from Mystery to Main Street. Nothing in this podcast is legal or financial advice. Have a great day. And remember, every organization needs a Web3 strategy.